She Bake, a podcast for and about women in Australian beekeeping. Find us on Instagram, she underscore beak, that's S-H-E underscore B-E-E-K, and on Facebook, She Bake. So how have you been? Yeah, I've been good. It's a wet week up here in the Gold Coast. So yeah, yeah, I've been good, but it's uh, just thinking like, what have I done in terms of beekeeping this week? Not a lot. Uh, it's actually, it's really nice down here weather-wise, but it's quite chilly. So I think we only got to like 12 or 13 today. So Ooh, Way too cold yeah. to be opening beehives. Well, yeah, you can't open them, but they're certainly still really busy. So mm-hmm. coming and going and, and doing their thing. So, yeah, but you just can't sort of open them up and, and sort of really see what's going on. Um, so, yeah, that makes it a little bit tricky because... They're obviously well, they look well, but, yeah, just sort of wanting to sort of see from um, feeding perspective, you know, I did have a top feeder in which they hadn't touched, hmm. um, so I ended up taking that away. But, um, yeah. So that's of- interesting. Why do you think they didn't go for the top feeder and what did you put in the top feeder? So I put in a, a 2-1 uh, sugar syrup. Hmm. Um, and yeah, I sort of asked that question to a couple of people and basically just thought that they obviously didn't need it. Um, cause I sort of went back in to top it up and they hadn't touched it at all. So, uh, I sort of left, this is, this is the, the, uh, colony that I caught from, it was a swarm in a, in a compost bin. <laughs> yeah. So they, they're actually just in a, um, a license, um, six frame uh, box mm. and that's got the top feeder that sits in the top um so they were put in there they had a couple of frames of honey they're, they're not a they're not a big colony like they were really there's probably only i reckon three good frames of bees when they went in there but um they had a couple of frames of honey but they, they seem really well you know they're coming and going with heaps of pollen um, but I've, it's just too cold to get in there just to really check what's going on with the honey stores just at the moment. So I hope they'll get a chance to do that next week. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I haven't opened any hives this this week. The last hive I opened was on Saturday. I went out to check on some hives that are kind of a rescue job. They've been mm-hmm. they've been left alone and not looked at for about four years. Oh, and, right. Um, yeah, so one of them had actually toppled over and it remained strapped up. It had a, um, a galve... Um, M-lock strap on it and a, and a, a corrugated iron, um, you know, a wrinkly tin lid on top. So it was strapped yeah. up real tight. And the hive yeah. had actually toppled or, or done a little roll. So it was sitting on its, oh. it was sitting on its lid. Um, anyway, we put the hive back up the right way and then it, that had been about, oh, that would have been more than a month ago. So Saturday, um, yeah, six days ago, went out to take a bit of a peek in that. I did a, a full hive inspection, got down into the brood and checked every frame. Yeah. Um, as well, as, well, we can do that because it was 24 degrees. So, wow. you know, Queensland. Uh, I also took uh, took some honey. So I took a couple of frames of honey out of the brood box and yeah. put in um, fresh frames of foundation so that the colony could continue to expand. They're looking pretty yeah. good. There was a good brood, um, good, uh, good few frames of brood. Yeah. Um, plenty of bees. So, yeah, gave them some more space to continue to grow. No signs of swarming or very few drones. So, yeah, yeah that, that colony is looking really good, despite the fact that it sat on its head for I don't know how long 
And <laughs> oh, gee, very resilient. And oh, I tell you, the honey, I extracted the honey that I had taken out of that box and yeah. it is dark and caramely and rich oh, and wow. delicious and it's much, much darker than other honey that I, of, of young honey that I might gather. So, yeah, yeah, really, really special. That was fun. SheBeak, a podcast for and about women in Australian beekeeping. Find us on Instagram, she underscore beak, that's S-H-E underscore B-E-E-K, or Facebook, SheBeak. Coming up to spring, I mean, it's spring all the time in Queensland, but you know, <laughs> coming, up, coming up to spring, uh, which is what the episode uh, really is, we're trying to get that information together coming up to well, the end of July now. So uh, I know a lot of people in Victoria start doing their first inspections even at the end of, of August. Uh, so what would you say your preparation is coming up to that sort of time where it's starting to get busier, Cathy? Okay, well, I'll give you two different answers. One's in the backyard, in the, the home bees in the backyard, and the other's in the, in the commercial apiary that I'm helping to manage for the company that I work for. So in the home backyard, um, I'm painting boxes and um, screwing the, the lifting cleats, the handles on my boxes because I'm a slack beekeeper and didn't do it in July when I should have, in, <laughs> earlier in July when I should have. So yeah. getting, getting my boxes ready because I know I'm going to be um, putting the queen excluders back on and putting the honey supers on. I'm um, freezing the honey supers to to retreat those that have been stored in boxes in the shed i'm refreezing them and then um uh, making sure that there's no wax moth and whatnot in those and then i'll be looking to go and start doing um spring management so um hive inspections counting the frames of brood and um, making sure that the the queens are laying well which they're starting to now you know since since the 21st of june they're starting to um, get more and more active now. Um, not today, though. Today I went down and put tin lids on the roof so that the front entrances weren't dripping wet. The bees all kind of clumped together and looked like a, a sad little huddle. So <laughs> putting a little veranda over the front today so I won't be doing any brood inspections. In the yeah. in the commercial apiary, um, I'm marking the hives with their hive identification numbers. Uh, so any boxes that don't have a marking on them, I'm making sure that they're all marked and um, recording the position and the the number of each hive, planning out how many more hives can we fit in the apiary mm-hmm. um, and putting in orders for those hives and um, getting ready to go in, mow the grass and um, do a big full day where I've got to check all the brood and um, keep some keep some notes about how each hive's performing uh, ramping up for the the spring honey production. Excellent. Going to be very busy. I hope so. <laughs> I uh, yeah, I'm, I've basically been building up uh, just my supplies in regards to you know even uh, hive boxes. So constructing some of them and uh, putting some frames together. I had gone through and and uh, you know frozen my frames and then sealed them up in containers. But it probably is a good idea, Kathy, to refreeze them and just make sure that they're right to go um and uh yeah i really am keen to 
get on board with getting some more swarms this year. So swarm chasing. <laughs> into doing a bit of swarm chasing. So that's yeah. a whole other episode in and of itself, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, good fun, eh? Okay, hi. So today I'm talking with Corinne Jordan. Corinne has dedicated the the last decade of her life to bees and her passion is queen bee breeding. So Corinne runs the Bee Lady Apiaries out of Carlbrook in southeast Queensland and she's currently running 450 colonies of bees in her queen bee breeding operation and that's made up of about 200 productive hives and 250 nucleus hives. So Corinne's also the Vice President of the Australian Queen Bee Breeders Association and she's the Technical Specialist in Queen Breeding, consulting on the Bees for Sustainable Livelihoods project, which is really cool. They operate in the South Pacific Islands around Fiji, PNG and the Solomon Islands. So today I'm chatting with Corinne about spring build-up, um, factors affecting colonies around our area and bee maths. Oh, so have you had a busy day, Corinne? Ah, yes, I had a beautiful day because it was lovely and sunny out there and I um, had a lot of bees flying around after the four days of rain and wind and they all um, looked pretty healthy and happy at 10 o'clock this morning. So I uh, went out and had a look at um, a few different hives to see what the state was like uh, after having 12 months of drought uh, it was really good to see the condition they're in they're um, building up really well for the honey flow that should be coming soon and they've got lots of brood and tons of bees and close to swarming strength so lots of healthy happy hives so that's a that's the the capacity that you want to see the colonies at going into spring is nearly at swarming capacity Pretty close to it, a couple of them uh, would have populations. Well, I've got one mega colony down the back that's had four boxes on it for the last two months, which seems ridiculous because that's going through winter. But I opened them up first to see if I needed to take anything off them. Mm. And they're full. Everything's full. Chock-a-block. All the honey supers are full, all the broods full. And she's got a double brood box and amazing brood. I took photos, couldn't help myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so bees never cease to amaze me. And I was expecting a new, newish young queen, but this one's about nearly three years old. This, is, this will be her third season. Goodness me, and she's going that strong. And she's going that strong. And so what would the um, what would the recreational, com- like the backyard beekeeper, be wanting to see in their colonies now at this time of year in southeast Queensland? Um, in southeast Queensland, if you've got, it'll depend on the age of the queen and probably uh, the race because I'm dealing with Italians and they tend to have huge brood nests and they, sent, they tend to keep a fairly large brood nests through the winter months as well. Plus, uh, if we've, we do have some winter flows, especially on the coast, like the paperbark tea tree is one of the main ones, Malaleuca quinervia, which goes through the winter months. Mm. So our bees generally don't shut down completely. 
and they can build up quite big populations. Uh, so the hobby beekeeper in southeast Queensland, if they're on the coast, is likely to have a colony if they have a young, vigorous queen and no other issues with the hive, no health issues. Uh, it's likely to be really strong, close to splitting or close to swarming strength if they've recovered from the 12 months of drought and had some decent rain. If not, they'll probably have a big population of bees with very little food, so cannot be faced with either one of those scenarios mm. at this time of year. So it's a delicate sort of a, it's, uh, appointed time, isn't it? Yeah, it's a really critical point of time for colonies because they're doing a rapid expansion and it's still quite cool overnight. Like tonight's going to be 8 degrees according to my phone. Mm-hmm. which is pretty cold mm-hmm. and uh, if bees have somehow or other they managed to do this incredible build-up during this really cold part of the year, although it's not as cold as some places. But uh, I just still, it still amazes me how they do it because they've got to keep all those little tiny eggs at brew temperature, which is 34.5 degrees and it's going to be 8 degrees outside and, at some point, they're going to have more eggs and open larva in the colony than there's possibly nurse bees to cover it. Mm-hmm. So they must be working very hard to do that expansion. So, yeah, it's, a, it's critical that they have plenty of food resources and good nutrition and plenty of bees and that their colonies are not too airy and don't have too many extra boxes on, even though they have are getting to that point where they've got very dense population. There's a bit of a balancing act between, act between um, hive sp- too much space and the temperature at this time of year. I think that's so, a key. That's a really key lesson for the amateur or the, the the new beekeeper with a couple of hives in the backyard to understand. I'm seeing a lot of bees, but do I? Does that mean I should add space? Because, as you're saying, if you've got a very strong population of bees but they don't have sufficient food to continue to uh, support them while they're keeping the brood warm then you're putting the colony at risk by adding more space yeah yeah but you can add some more space but I would do it incrementally rather than putting a whole box on I would be replacing a few frames here and there with some um, well, in the case of my colony that was a monster and needed room and had plenty of honey, I was able to um, swap out some stickies and put some foundation. So that will give them a bit of space until it gets warmer and then uh, I might put a box of foundation on them if needed once we get to good overnight temperatures and decent honey flow so they can draw the frames. I'm really looking forward to getting some foundation drawn this year, Cathy. Mm, mm. <laughs> I have had it sitting in my shed waiting for a year and a half. <laughs> I haven't been able to get bees to draw foundation for over 12 months. And so. that's, that's related to so their, their capacity to be able to um, make wax and draw the foundation. Is yeah. that related to the the that, honey flow? Uh, it's definitely uh, has a component with the drought because I think they just 
but bees are amazing at reserving their energy mm. and resources and they just didn't. They shut down their wax production glands mm-hmm. during the drought because they didn't have the honey and they didn't expand their brood nests and they did all sorts of things that were unusual all, last all year. Conserving what yeah, they've got. They completely conserved and shut down to the minimum amount of bees to the resources that were available and what they could do. So, yeah, it was a really uh, interesting year to go through. Let's hope it doesn't happen again anytime soon, though. Yeah, let's hope. Yeah, but it's so... looking, it is looking good around here. We've got blue gums flowering, um, iron bark, and I think there's some wattles coming out, even though they probably don't have a really high protein content of pollen, but that's extra pollen support. Mm. And uh, there is something else. Oh, I've got macadamia here on the farm. Not many, but they're flowering. So, And that's a good... That's a good nectar source for yes, the bees. Yes, and well. for our native bees too. But still a bit chilly for them. But they are out on warmer days. I've seen mine out on warmer days, that's right, but not not early in the mornings and not later in the afternoon. No. Um, is there anything uh, that you'd like to impress upon the listener as like the things that they ought to be aware of and doing in their spring inspections? Um, so I think spring inspection is the major one for the year for most of us. Um, so that's looking at everything from how your queen is laying to if there's any disease in the hive, what sort of stores they've got, replacing old combs uh, and um, either checking that they have enough feed or there is enough forage in the area, or uh, getting ready to feed them, I suppose. If it's a bad season for you, you'd already be feeding. Um, some, some people will be, but other people will be wondering, should I feed them? What's a sign that your bees do need to be supplemented? So, okay, so without looking, into, without looking in your hive, there's a couple of um, things you can do. You can tip. Tip the back of the hive, if you grab it by the handle and just lift it and you can feel the weight. Uh, if it's a bit light, then you probably have bees that are beginning to get a bit hungry. And the other thing you can do is if you have a honey super on, I'm presuming you've got a double hive with a brood box and a honey super. Mm-hmm. If you've got a honey super on and you look at the wall frames, if they are, um, if there's no forage coming in there's no nectar they will be eating from the wall frames first so the outside of the wall frames will be your indicator that um, conditions have meant that they had to eat right. so, so then they'll, you they'll chew the wax capping off that outside frame of honey yeah, and, and they'll start to consume that They'll consume the whole entire wall in a bad season. Yeah. yeah. And then, excuse me, they start filling from the centre. So you look into and find that your centre frames are all full and hopefully capped with nice white wax. Then conditions have come good and they have found a neck to flow and they're happy bees. 
great advice, Corinne. Mm. Thank you so much. Those are some excellent takeaway points. And it, and the, I love the, the way that you explain the logic behind those observations and those decisions that we make, you know, because a lot of beekeeping is like, well, so-and-so told me to do it this way and so-and-so told me to do it that way. But mm. when you actually really start to think critically about what are the principles, what's going on with the bee's behaviour and what's going on with the environment around you, you can actually make better informed decisions. So thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. So you do need to keep an eye on uh, what's around you and uh, what's flowering and what the weather conditions are. We've just had a really nice period of rain. And so all that soil moisture will go into the trees and they'll produce more nectar and we should be looking good for the next few weeks. Um, the, like I said, the blue gums are already flowering. Once the temperatures get a bit warmer with all this extra soil uh, moisture, we're going to have a nice, nice nectar flow, nice honey flow coming up. Bees might even end up putting away an extra super of honey from the blue gums this season fingers crossed yes so it's just being aware of what's happening around you and keeping your eye on all those different things that impact bees as well as the time of the year and um how old your queen is and um what race of bees you've got and if you're impacted by any pests or diseases and how many other beekeepers are in your area or uh, also foraging in the same area so you've got competition for forage uh, there's a lot to it and there's probably more that I can't think of right now oh there are so many variables mm. so much to learn and as you said before you know we're constantly learning I learn something new every time I open a beehive you know yeah you, that's the fascinating wonderful thing about bees you really never stop learning and there's so many different aspects to it from learning about flora or learning about honey or wax or queen breeding or there's just so many and in, then there's all the uh the other side of it, the maintenance and engineering and mechanical stuff that goes with it as well, building boxes and putting together extracting systems and um, learning, how to use, <laughs> learning how to use machinery like loaders and lifters and forklifts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's so, a, so many things to learn. <laughs> there is. It doesn't, doesn't end. Actually, I have a rule of thumb. I don't open a beehive until the temperature gets to 20 degrees. Okay. Because they've got to thermoregulate and bring that temperature back up to 34.5. And um, as soon as you lift the lid off, you draw in all this cold air straight into the brood nest. So uh, try not to um, go into a beehive unless it's at least 20 degrees. Excellent advice. Excellent. Mm. Thanks again, Corinne. And uh, yeah, I hope to see you again soon. See you. Bye. Good I hope night. to see you again soon too. <laughs> Stay well. You too. Good night. Bye.
it's now my great pleasure to introduce you to Beck from Beck's Beehive. Beck takes the sting out of backyard beekeeping by giving education to help beekeepers make better beekeeping decisions to keep their bees happy and healthy. She is the founder of Beck's Beehive Beekeeping that offers quality beekeeping equipment and training for Australia-wide delivery. The websites for Beck are becksbeehive.com.au and beesmartbeekeeping.com. Good morning, Beck. Welcome to Shoe Beak. Hi, Joe. Thanks for having me on. No worries. Thanks so much for joining us. So, um, as you know, we've just recently started this podcast and the aim is to obviously chat to a lot of women in the beekeeping industry and get some female perspectives and have a bit of a chat about what's happening in their world of beekeeping. Mm-hmm. Um, so, look, we were hoping you could tell us, for starters, tell our listeners a little bit about how you came to be in the beekeeping industry. Oh, okay. Thanks, Jo. Um, first of all, thanks for asking me to be one of your first to come on, on the podcast. I'm really honoured to be here. So it's pretty exciting to see what you girls are doing. Um, okay, so my name's um, Beck McBride. I've been um, running beekeeping training for quite some time, but I have been around bees all my life. My grandparents were beekeepers, just had a few hives in their property. And um, as kids, we we really didn't understand the value of them, I suppose, but yeah. we did love the honey. So that was always the um the draw card for us when we went there and they had the most amazing uh, vegetable patch and orchard that we used to just run around and oh, and just wow. deve- it was just incredible so gorgeous. yeah so look you know I didn't I suppose by you learn a little bit by osmosis as well um and we've as I said we've always had them around us so when um, Matt and I both settled down, we had the hives and hives came to our property and we always just only had a couple. And then uh, when the kids started kindergarten, word got out, I suppose, saying, oh, Beck's a beekeeper, she's got bees. Uh-huh. And yeah, it yeah. Sparked, sparked a bit of interest. And I've got a corporate background, so I had no intention of doing this. And <laughs> it just fell in my lap and I started mentoring people, helping them get started and uh you know my training sort of advanced from that the demand was there this is before beekeeping was popular so um and it really has taken off recently hasn't it um yeah yeah unbelievable the the amount of people that are coming through and the demographics it's really changed so when i started doing the training back oh I don't know, over 10 years ago now, I suppose, it was mainly just retired people and, you know, someone, people looking for little hobbies to tinker around in their workshop and just to fill in the time. And now it's anyone and everyone. And I, I love it. I love seeing the women come in and, mm. um, you know, just people, particularly now, I think the feedback I'm getting with this COVID um, situation. Yeah, I think that's had a big impact, hasn't it? Oh, it has had a big impact. And the people that have already got bees, um, it's they're really quite blessed to have it because a lot of people are, are saying, thank God I've got the bees, I've got something to do when I'm at yeah. home. And, yeah, it's just been amazing and so positive to yeah. have something like this to fall back on. Absolutely. Mm. And I was sort of saying that too, I think, in our introductory uh, podcast talking about that, just having it on the property and therapeutic part of just watching your bees and it's just such a, a great thing to be able to do yeah it's just yeah. amazing it really is something that it, and it's another distraction too so and it's a positive one you know 
Mm. Um, I think really, really, a really great hobby and it just offers so much more than obviously just the honey, you know, and the pollination. Yeah. Um, yeah, Well, I'm one one of your students and you've been a fantastic mentor to me, Bex. I've really appreciated that. Thanks, Jo. That's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so obviously I attended your introductory course and and got started that way and and ended up with my hive through you. Mm -hmm. Um, So you're still running your courses. Obviously, they're a bit impacted at the moment by COVID. But do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So it has been impacted. Our face-to-face classes have certainly been pushed back. I've got I've got a I've got a full list of students already signed up, so we're just hoping things will open up a little bit for us before the end of the year. But um, we've started putting things online so um, people can, you know, things can get a bit more, um, people can ex- access them a little bit easier from basically anywhere really. So at the moment there's not a lot there, but we've been working in the background and waiting for the warm weather to come so we can do a lot more in-hive inspections to um, give you a bit more of an um, overall um, visible. Visi- yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. yeah, so instructional sort of information. But it's been certainly an impact on our business. Um, but, you know, we've pivoted and we've changed things around and at least with my supply side of the business, we're online and we ship all around Australia. So in that respect, that hasn't impacted COVID hasn't impacted that a lot, which is a good thing. In fact, we're probably busier than ever. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I mean, and I, I took part obviously in your winter pack down online course, and that was that was fantastic. It was a really good way to do it, and year out obviously in your beehives and and explaining it all so well. So that was a, a, a great way to do it. So I'm looking yeah. forward to to more courses coming up. Yeah. So we've got some goodies in the in the pipeline. So yeah. stay tuned for that one. Fantastic. Now, obviously, um, our main topic for this week uh, podcast is is actually spring readiness. So, what little pearls of wisdom could you give our listeners about you know your activities coming up to spring? Okay, so my first my first recommendation would be be organised, get your gear sorted, have spare gear on hand. Build your, have another beehive at least, empty but ready to go because as soon as the weather starts warming up, particularly down in the southern parts of Australia, the hives will explode and it happens so quickly and if you're not organised and prepared, you'll be running around with cardboard boxes pulling bees out of trees. So (laughs) so you certainly need to have your gear ready and be organised. But, look, I think with any spring um, readiness, you you certainly need to, um, you you need to be on top of your management strategies Mm -hmm. and, and you need to, understand the cues for swarming and um, how the colony works. So so the key with beekeeping, I believe, is is actually understanding what's going on. So mm. what what I might what might happen here where we are will might be um, different things will be happening, say in New South Wales or even down our coastal sites, because we've got sites all over the place. Yeah. And you know, they kind of kick off a little bit sooner than what we do up here in the hills. So you know, you've just got to be on top of everything and know what's coming. Um, and and the- yeah, obviously, what's relevant to your area—that's been the interesting part with my co-presenter Kathy, who lives in the Gold Coast. In that, you know, we're, we're completely different areas of Australia. So, sort of comparing that has been really interesting. Yes, um, I know that um, we were talking to a, a beekeeper up there who was saying, "I don't go into the hives when it's below 
you know, 20 degrees. And I think, like, well, I think <laughs> I've been told sort of 18 in Victoria, so there's a, a difference. So, yeah, you know, it's easier to say 20 when you live on the Gold Coast, isn't it? Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> that's right. And, and like I think too in the colder parts we tend to pack pack the hives down to a smaller, like to one box maybe, um, yeah. whereas in the warmer climates they've got to allow definitely for two. So, you know, yeah. you've just got to be on top of it. And you've got to, I think with your, with your colonies um, in spring, they build up so quickly and so rapidly that you've got to watch out for starvation. That's a big thing. So obviously um, we hope you've packed them down with enough stores, but sometimes it doesn't sustain them in early spring because the rapid growth, they can just consume everything so quickly that um, they can starve. So a very strong colony can starve um, if they just can't get out, especially with all the wet, you know, when it might rain for a couple of days and they're just consuming everything inside. So how would you be monitoring that, Beck, and and what would you be remedying that with? So if you're feeling that your your colony's, you know, struggling, what what are you doing? So how are you monitoring it for starters? Um too hard to explain in this whole this short little podcast <laughs> but um basically you it comes down to a bit of experience as well so mm. uh as i try to explain to everybody if you're if your bees are quite light um if you can pick up the back of your hive quite easily um that's obviously not enough to sustain the colony um if you manage to have a warm day where you can pop the lid and have a look in there and um, you can generally see where the cluster's sitting. You can pull out a frame or two. If there's no stores either side of the actual brood nest itself, that's not enough for them. They're definitely going to starve. So you do need to provide them with something. Um, you know, I prefer not to feed the bees. Obviously, the, the um, natural resources are always going to be a better diet for the bees. But yeah. if you can, it's better to help them than to have them die on you. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And at this point of the year, what, what would be the best thing to be feeding them if you're finding that they're a bit low on stores? Look, I always recommend just sugar, white sugar as yeah. the best because what will happen if you put some even just 500 grams on top of your hive mat under the lid, they mm-hmm. will actually consume that as opposed to store it. So if you put... Um, sugar syrup in it tends to um they they tend to they will consume it they will use it but they will also store it with sugar they will eat it and they will utilize it for the colony yeah okay and it's easy you don't have to actually disturb the colony you can just pop the lid and pour it on yeah that's a pretty quick way to do it isn't it yeah that's right Mm -hmm. so i had a a recent um thing with my hive where i'd actually popped in some two one sugar syrup solution Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I came back to top it up, they hadn't actually touched it. So the yep. question there, there was obviously, you know, it was, you know, more or less that they didn't need it. So it was, I, I basically ended up taking it away and they're very active and doing well. So Yeah. So look, you know, that's the thing, Jo, you've got, like you've done, uh, you've got to listen to the bees. They will tell mm. you if they want things and if they don't want it. So you just sort of follow their cue and if they don't touch it, we'll take it away like you did. You know, that was wise. That was the right thing to do and um yeah you just gotta just tap into them Mm. yeah so beck have you got any other sort of projects or anything else you'd like to tell us about your business and things going forward yeah thanks joe um 
we've we've certainly been very busy in the last 12 months and working with a, um, a high profile private school here in Melbourne and rolling out a beekeeping program with their um, middle school oh, and it's yeah it's been just so much fun it's been awesome and and the kids have just uh, run with it you know they've owned yeah. it and it's just been fantastic so it's because it, it's been so successful we're um, rolling that out well we were too with COVID it could be another story mm. um, across all the different campuses and they've got interstate campuses as well so that's been fantastic um, so watch your space there's a lot of good things happening there um, but also um, I've been I'm now stepping into helping out um, a group of women refugees who, oh, wow. yeah, yeah, so basically they've come over and traditionally they um, farm their own land to provide yeah. for their villages and their community themselves. So they're finding that they really need to reconnect these women with the land again. So what they're doing is um, they've got their community garden space, but they're wanting yeah. to provide a little bit more and a sustainable living um, practices and so forth. So bees have become part of this um this project and obviously yeah. I've, and luckily enough I've been asked to contribute and be involved in that and um, it's something I'm really looking forward to so we're only yeah. just at the early stages yeah. of that yeah 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 fantastic what an absolutely amazing thing to be doing for them oh I know I know it's just brilliant so it's you know and it's the feel-good things and I think that's what I love about with beekeeping it kind of if you're meant to be in it, you will be in it and things yeah. just happen, like magic happens. And, um, you know, as I said, I've got, I've come from a corporate background. Here I am in bees and agriculture and I love it. I love community. There's no way I'm going back to the office and corporate travel. That's just completely not my situation these days. I don't want to go there. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and from that I've really been able to pull a lot of my, my skills and, and um, you know, experience to, into what I do today. So, um, my major challenge is time. <laughs> yes, as always, busy, busy women, lots of things going on. And... We're always busy women, aren't we? We're juggling exactly. so many balls at once. Very um, true. And then add in the homeschooling at the moment. Too. Oh, so, God. Yeah. I know. It's all good fun. It's all good fun. But, look, you know, yes. it keeps us keeps us happy and busy and, um, you know, I really wouldn't have it any other way. So, yeah, there's been some amazing things and I've met some absolutely incredible people on my journey and you know I love all the old guys who have been beekeeping forever and yeah. I, I love just spending time with them and you know they're men mentors to me as well and you know you just you just can't learn enough it's one of those one of those um hobbies that I just you know I think people will either love or hate straight away yeah. and yep and if you love it you just really want to take it to the next level but it's not easy either you know, um, so yeah, we we've just got we just love our business. It's highly successful. Um, it's just growing. I'm growing my team. I've got lots of things in the pipeline, yeah. and um, just going to get through COVID. And yeah. I think we'll be, <laughs> I absolutely. Think. Well, you're, you're doing an amazing job, Beck, and we all really appreciate you know um, being able to call on you and um, you can take part in your classes and learn so much and. Um, really, really appreciate it. So I'm, I'm glad to hear it's all going well. And here's to COVID being over and us all being able to get back to, you know, more of what we like to do. Yeah, definitely, Joe. definitely. You're listening to She Beak, a podcast for and about women in Australian beekeeping. Find us on Instagram, she underscore beak, that's S-H-E underscore B-E-E-K, and on Facebook, She Beak.
Well, thank you so much for joining us, Beck. I've really, really enjoyed having a chat with you. Do you want to give us a little bit of um, an idea of where people can contact you and a little bit about your presence online? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Joe. So I've got um, we've got two parts of our business. We've got our beekeeping supplies, and that is uh, you can find us at Beck's Beehive. So it's b e c s beehive.com.au, and we ship all around Australia. And it's really good quality gear. Sorry, um, for that. Uh, yep, that's right. So um, and then we try to support the Aussie bee um, Aussie industry as much as possible. So as many Australian beekeeping products that we can get are hands on, um, and we really like to empower a lot of the. Um, older generation beekeepers that love to tinker still and sell their gear so we do that yeah. um, but I've also got our online beekeeping classes which are starting to get populated now you can join wait lists and that's at besmartbeekeeping.com yeah. and also obviously on Facebook and all the other socials yeah and that's B-E-E smart be smart beekeeping correct yeah fantastic dot hey. com so, Beck, what have you got coming up with your education courses that you want to tell us about? Yeah, we've got some really good things that we've been working on. So we have Spring Readiness, which is going to be a very comprehensive course. Awesome. Um, yeah, so that's pretty cool. Um, we've got Swarm Control and Prevention. So the actual title of this course is There's Queen Cells in My Hive, What Do I Do? Oh, fantastic. Yep. Yep. And obviously my, my introduction to beekeeping. So this is going to be something that's a lot more comprehensive than what we would offer on our day, our day, day program. Yeah. Um, as you know, our normal face-to-face program is a program, so it runs over a whole 12 months. Yeah. Um, so this is actually going to be an extension of just the day that we're incorporating um, just through demand of people wanting it that are not in Melbourne and can't get to us so so that'll go up on all those that information will go up on your be smart beekeeping uh social page yes that's right we'll have that up over the next probably the next week um and wait lists obviously too because things are going to be trickled out as we finalize all the editing of everything yeah Yeah. no fair enough so people go to your be smart um facebook page um and at least you know like your page and follow it they'll be the first to know about your courses Perfect. Thanks, Thanks, Joe. That's right. Fantastic, Beck. Okay, thanks so much for letting us know about that. That's something to look forward to. I'll definitely be enrolling in a couple of them myself. So, Okay, good. Yeah, well, well it's, it's, I think it's a great opportunity for people that um, can't get to places. Some people don't like going to face-to-face things as well and well, remote learning. Yeah. yeah, and remote learning's the, the new, the new, um, the new normal, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, for sure. And we're very lucky that we've got the tech that we can can do it. So that's yeah. right. I mean, look, nothing beats hands on. I I definitely agree with that. But this is the next best thing. So we're we're trying to be as interactive as possible with our courses as well. So mm-hmm. thanks, Beck. Thanks to everyone for listening. No worries. Thanks, Becky. Have a good day. You too. See you then. Bye. You've been listening to She Beak, a podcast for and about women in Australian beekeeping. Find us on Instagram, She Beak, that's S-H-E underscore B-E-E-K, and on Facebook, She Beak. Thanks for listening.